Oh shit, it's the coin toss. One surprise topic off the rip. Two sides of a coin. I choose a player prop for the upcoming Thursday night game and Tarek and Trey debate each side of that over-under. This Thursday night matchup, we got the Denver Snow Donkeys visiting the Browns in Cleveland. Uh, Baker, Chubb, and Hunt look like they're all going to miss that game. Can't wait. Uh, John, I brought the coin this week since, uh, you know, our buddy Trey's in Boston. So, uh, heads or tails, buddy? Uh, let's go with heads. Flippy, flippy. That that looks like tails. I can't freaking believe it. It is tails. Right. I think, I think my phone's broken. Uh, Tarek, would you like the ball? Always take the ball in the in the immortal words of whatever Hasselbeck that was. I think that was Matthew first. Of his okay. Name. Thanks, Matthew. <laughs> All right, man. I'll take the ball. The over under. Uh, we got Noah Fant. Noah Fant. Ooh. He is at thirty nine point five on this game, and he's coming off ninety seven yards last game, but he's only passed thirty nine point five yards in three out of the six games he's played. So you taking the over or the under here? Yeah, I'll take the I'll take the over. Um, it's funny because I'm surprised. I have Noah Fant on a lot of teams. I'm I'm high on the talent, although he's been kind of disappointing this year. Like when I watch him play, he's just, that athleticism that we loved coming out of the draft just isn't really popping on film this year, which is kind of disappointing. But I'll take the over because, you know, uh, 39 and a half is a low ball. I mean, yeah, like you said, he's hit it three out of six weeks. So seems like you kind of got a 50-50 shot and on that 50-50 shot, I'll always take the over. And, you know, last week it was crazy because I was I was following Noah Fant's fantasy score like all throughout the morning, and I thought he was just going to put up a clunker. And then I look in the fourth quarter, he got all that shit in garbage time. So let's do it again, Noah. Hey, not to mention, though, I, I guess I should have said this. Jerry Judy, I, I read a blurb. He's got a 50-50 shot at playing, but I'm guessing he's not going to. But even if he does, I I think Fant looked good. But, John, tell us why he's bad. I think there's a lot of reasons. It's a Thursday night game. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater is questionable. And the play calling for the Broncos this year has been abysmal. I think their coach is probably getting fired at the end of this year. Noah Fant didn't do much until the fourth quarter. I don't expect them to do much but run the ball. This is is looking like a 7-3 final score kind of game to me so give me the under on all of the receivers for both the teams oh <laughs> well shit you, yeah that's <laughs> no yards no that's yards you, Just... that, that's what you get when you include me on the coin toss i hope you learn an important lesson here Tarek, take all of your money and just put it on every under for every wide receiver in the game and just there you go you know what you'll be a rich man according <laughs> some to of them are probably gonna hit that's how much I trust John. Guys, uh, I was just looking at my tight end ranks. I think two weeks ago, I moved Noah Fant above Mark Andrews right before Mark Andrews had uh, a huge explosion in week five and then followed it up with a nice performance in week six. So live rankings update. I will be moving Mark Andrews back up to six. My opinions are so fickle. What can I say, y'all? That's oh, a solid decision there. there. Yeah, Good that's choice. The right but decision. hey, hey. Still, go trade Mark Andrews for TJ Hawkinson. I still think TJ Hawkinson is the better bet long term. Just wanted to throw that in there one more time. Yeah, maybe they'll bench Jared Goff and anything would be an improvement at this point. Yeah, Dan Campbell with some harsh words about Jared Goff. Uh, You love to see it. I like Dan Campbell, man. He's an emotional dude, man. He's genuine. Genuine guy. I'm kind of into it. Dan Campbell, Brandon Staley. I like these these smart defensive head coaches making a making a comeback. Well, man, they need to they need to fucking win if they want to stick around, dude. True. Hey, well, you know, at least DeAndre Swift's still getting it done. Am I right? For now, yeah. I'm sure his fantasy team's doing great. He looks good. I think that's good for the coin toss. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> and uh, coin toss, take two. What the ever-loving fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome into the Long Game Dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Tarek Angry Tibanshuya. A weekly roundtable this... Ah, fuck it. <laughs> Every week. 
<laughs> Welcome to the Long Game Dynasty podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about Dynasty fantasy football. I'm your host, Tarek Angry T. Bajria. With me, John Alexander and Mitch Yates. Trey Crying, slacking, man. He ain't here. It's like every other week. Anyway, Trey's not here. We always miss Trey. He's always on his way to Boston. He lives in Boston, but he's traveling there like every week. It's it's absurd. Mitch, what's going on, dude? What's up, man? Uh, not a whole lot for me. Got a. Uh, I, I know I, I briefly mentioned that I tore a tendon in my hand. Today, I finally got the great pleasure of getting a cortisone shot in that. And it felt great up until about 45 minutes ago. And now it's not super great. So if I accidentally just start swearing out of nowhere, just it may be because I moved my hand wrong. So it would be a normal, a normal episode. That's what it would I, be. I'll do my best. I'll just roll with it, though. Okay, sounds good. Well, sorry to hear that you're in pain, but hopefully your foot feels better soon. My arm foot. Your arm foot. That's right. <laughs> John, what's going on, man? Good to have you back. Yeah, I missed you guys. I, I want to say thank you for filling in, uh, doing your college player. You picked a UT guy with something I would probably never do because those guys aren't going to go to the NFL. But I, I want. What can say- I say? I do not watch college football. So <laughs> no, it was it was a good pick. I like. I like Worthy, uh, but I have another guy this week, and uh, I, I've done a pretty good job. I think I've nailed the top five uh, rookie wide receivers going into next year. We've talked about Olave, we talked about Wilson, we talked about Burks, we talked about uh, Drake. So the fifth guy, there's a couple of guys that can find uh, probably slot into that fifth spot, and the guy I want to talk about today is David Bell, and he's a guy that's caught my eye for a while. Uh, last year when we were watching all that Rondale tape, uh, David Bell from Purdue, wide receiver, he was popping off the screen for me a whole bunch. So uh, this week, he went off for 11 receptions for 240 yards and a touchdown. This wasn't against some lollipop team. This was against the formerly, sorry, Trey, uh, number two team, uh, the Iowa Hawkeye- Hawkeyes. So, you know, that's a really strong performance against a team that's a really good defense. So David Bell probably going to be a top five receiver in the next class so keep your eye out from him for him and uh maybe we'll talk about the other guy who i think is top five next week david bell you know another one of these really big receivers in the 2022 class has a college dominator of 43.5 percent breakout age of 18.7 which is in the 94th percentile of wide receiver prospects so this is shaping up uh, like john said to be a very exciting wide receiver class man the wide receivers in the nfl are just so incredible right now right uh, we we have like a little wide receiver golden age going on right now love, I love it. it yeah last three or four years Absolutely. Let's move into this main content. And like we've been doing for the last couple of weeks, we're each giving you two insights uh, to gain an edge on your dynasty league mates. Uh, In this first half, we'll start with our first insight, and I'm going to kick it off this time. Um, And my insight is kind of simply that Khalil Herbert, uh, running back for the Bears, can play. I think he is the long-term handcuff to David Montgomery there in Chicago, What went under the radar in week five, I think, was that Herbert and Damian Williams split touches evenly. It just so happened that Williams uh, found the end zone. I had quietly moved up Herbert to running back 44 in my rankings before week six, which puts him in that priority handcuff territory. I've moved him up a couple spots since then. I think he's at my RB 41 Given he's just a rookie and he has a decently long runway to find more fantasy relevance, you could argue that he should creep up even higher kind of with those really high priority handcuffs or even at the top of that group. I liked Khalil Herbert in the pre-draft process. He had a really great grad transfer year there at Virginia Tech after having a less than stellar career at Kansas. I started paying attention to him as a prospect after hearing Matt Waldman and Dane Brugler laud his vision and movement skills. And I think he's demonstrated their analysis over the last two weeks. Now, all of this being said, I guess the baseline insight here is I'm cashing in on Herbert if I can. Uh, I had him on most of my dynasty rosters and I traded him away on one of them for a second round pick. So a guy that you were likely able to get as an undrafted free agent post rookie draft can now net you a second round pick, I think in a lot of leagues. And in most cases, unless I'm really desperate at running back, I'm taking that kind of profit. 
What do y'all think? I love that, Tarek. I think you're right. I think that there is a bit of a problem, though, and that might be that Tyson Williams has set the market here. Mm-hmm. And so you say a second round pick. People may be a little weary to do that. They might think that second round pick might just be for a couple of weeks because this is Monty's backfield. And when he comes back, um, yeah. Herbert's going to fade. And let's not forget about your favorite player, dude. Tarek Cohen is coming back as well. So uh, I, Damian Williams is still there. I don't know. I think he's just going to kind of fade back and maybe be like a Tyson Williams. So I'm cashing out too, man. I, I, I'm getting out right now if I can. I like him. And I've been a big Monty supporter. So I have a lot of shares of Herbert just, you know, to handcuff him at the end of the at the end of the draft or just grabbing him for basically cheap in the offseason. So, yeah, right now, if I can if I can sell him, I'm definitely on board with you there. Yeah, I think a couple of weeks ago we talked about something similar with uh, Chuba, Chuba Hubbard. And uh, I said at the time that you could use him to try and get better draft capital. And I think the same situation applies here. It's almost an identical situation. Uh, you could use Herbert plus a pick to get a better pick. And I like that a lot. Uh, the thing that happened with Chuba might be the same thing that happens with Herbert, though. So ends up CMC's going on IR. So we think that it's a short-term thing with Herbert, but there's always a chance that something else happens and it's more of a long-term thing. So if you're a contending team and he happens to be on your roster and you just want to ride the wave, I see that too. But I think I I tend towards what you guys are saying. I'd I'd probably cash in here as well. I think what we saw with Hubbard, what we're seeing with Herbert right now, what we saw with Elijah Mitchell, um, it kind of highlights, you know, a broader insight. Um, And John actually tweeted about this in June and I retweeted it yesterday um, where he was, you know, talking about there's these running back situations where you could easily foresee um, rookie running backs coming into muddy situations and taking on uh, a large portion of the work if an injury were to happen. So we had Elijah Mitchell. Now we have Chuba Hubbard. Uh, now we have Khalil Herbert. These are the kinds of players that you want to be taking in the third round of your rookie drafts over kind of your favorite wide receiver eight, like Amir Smith-Marset or Simi Fahoko, um, which are guys that I took in the third and fourth rounds of my rookie drafts. And I and I think I'm just kind of bookmarking this that you'd rather kind of fill the end of your dynasty bench uh, with these um, potential handcuff running backs than, you know, a receiver. I think the hit rate is higher there. And the upside. Yeah, not only that, I want to just piggyback what you're saying here, go a little off the rails just as far as strategy goes. This goes into what we're talking about as collecting third-round picks. These are why we want and find them valuable. Um, yeah. And yeah, exactly. So just throwing that in there, this is a great way to just make your assets, turn your assets into better assets. These guys right, right. here. Oh, I was just going to piggyback off what you're saying. You're saying uh, that they're good value. I think the upside's higher than your wide receiver eight as well. I think the floor is probably higher with the wide receiver, but it, it, when you're going to the third round, it's always going to be the upside. And we've seen the upside right. with Elijah Mitchell, with Herbert, with Chuba Hubbard. And it's un, undeniable that in the third round, this is where the upside is, is with these handcuff uh, with the handcuff running backs. But of course, there's a wide receiver in there that's going to hit every once in a while. But... You know, you can take a zero on a on a running back as well, but you got to play the upside in the third round. Uh, Mitch, let's move to you for your first insight for Dynasty. All right, Tarek, I think it's time to go get Tua on your team. If you can pay for him for a first round pick, do it. Uh, I feel like we need to lead with the news that just kind of popped up a couple hours ago and circle back to it. As of Wednesday, October 20th, which is today, and I guess it's 742 we're recording right now. The Dolphins are allegedly in serious negotiations to swing a trade for Deshaun Watson again, 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 again. And yeah, we'll get back to that. But did you guys get up early and watch the game, uh, the game in England, the Dolphins yeah. versus the uh, the old Jaguars? Yeah, I think I might have a problem. I watched every single snap. Oh, I love that stuff, man. I love the all day football. Uh, the Jaguars won, man. Uh, I don't I don't know if you guys saw that. Uh, they conquered victory from the jaws of defeat on that last second field goal. Uh, dare I say good play calling by Urban Meyer and company to get them into field goal range for that last kick. But, you know, I'm just kidding, man. Let's be real. This team is so poorly coached and undisciplined. And if you're wondering which team I'm talking about, the answer is yes. Like the, there were penalties 
everywhere. There were seven false starts, like 15 total flags. Refs making awful calls, resulting in rage challenges by Brian Flores. Like, it, this was a coaching toilet bowl. And aside from all the penalties, like, I really wanted to focus on the Dolphins players here. And uh, even though it was absolutely inexcusable for the Dolphins to, uh, to blow this game, uh, it was a disaster from a uh, play-calling standpoint, not really the Tua standpoint. The red zone offense was pathetic, predictable, and it really wasn't a fair representation of Tua. Honestly, I haven't been too kind of Tua in the past, uh, but I thought he looked pretty good at some points in this game. But he also looked like a rookie at some points, making like super weird decisions. Um, there was that one play on third and three where he threw a bomb where he easily could have walked for first down. And uh, it's just, and you can see him kind of like looking at the camera, nodding his head like, oh yeah, I, I messed up. And it just feels like he's in a shitty situation and he's not developing. And really, that's exactly what's happening here. So, wheeling it back here, it looks like there's some silver lining. I mean, Brian Flores was supposed to have turned this team around, put him in the right direction, and his ass is about to get fired, I think. I mean, last year, 10-6, and six, probably a mirage. They're 1-5 and five right now. And uh, like, like I just mentioned, they call in for Deshaun Watson. If they get him, I mean, that spells the end for two on Miami. And if they don't, it probably spells the end for Flores because I don't think the Dolphins are going to really turn this around this year. So all this leads to Tua getting a fresh start next year. So if I'm at this point in the season, even if I'm contending, even if I'm, even if I'm not, Tua looks to be cheaper than he has been based on the disconnect with the coaching staff and all these phone calls going around about trading. If, if I'm looking for a quarterback in a super flex leagues, Tua, I, I'm getting in that conversation now because if a trade goes down to send him somewhere, I talk about being the first one to that party. Like, it's time to get in the ear for the Tua guy. I like it. Um, if I'm sitting on a 2022 first, then I'm pretty confident it's going to be a late first. I think that's probably enough to get it done. And that's, I, I, I know with that pick, I'm not getting a quarterback that I, I like a lot. So I, I like that move, maybe a 2022 late first, if I can swing it, maybe a little bit more on top of that. But I think that's a great move uh, to get my quarterback too. Knowing full well, I'm probably not going to get my quarterback too with that same pick next year. And we've talked about how poor the 2022 quarterback class is. So especially if I'm a quarterback needy team, I think paying a 2022 first, a single first for Tua Tungavailoa, who I think is a good quarterback. Like, like Mitch said, I think he played well in that Jaguars game. I've seen enough flashes from Tua, his connection with his receivers and kind of his accuracy to where I think he's got a bright future and a high ceiling. And, you know, if I'm a quarterback needy team, I think Tua is worth more than even the 101 in the 2022 class. So, yes, if you have what projects to be a late first, that's great. But even if you have a middling or could be a high first, I'm willing to part with that single first for Tua Tungabailoa. So I love this, Mitch. Well, yeah, especially if Tua's on a contender right now and just kind of sitting there and that contender needs to make a move he might look at that first round pick and be like, I could probably uh, switch that out with a player of mine to get the actual piece that I need. And you can even make the pitch that way. So even if you have two good starting quarterbacks, man, I'm trying to I'm trying to get to as my third or even fourth guy right now because his value is only going to go up after the situation right. works itself out. And I have no idea how it's going to work out. Like, I can't see that part of it, but it looks like no matter what, it's going to favor Tua. Let me, let me ask a question to you, Mitch, here, because it's a question I've been struggling with. How do we feel about Tua in one quarterback leagues? Is he a startable guy in one quarterback leagues? Or do you see him? I don't think he is right now, but do you see him ever getting there? I don't know. I don't really care um, for him in a one quarterback league at all. Like, I think for me, quarterbacks only matter up to like the top six in a one quarterback league and the rest of the guys are pretty serviceable. Right. So Tua, Tua for me, I'm not really even like, no, I don't care. I'm not knocking on their door. I'm not inquiring for him in a one. Yeah, quarterback. I think I, I, I think like, you know, if you can pay very little in a one quarterback league, it makes sense to knock on the door like a third round pick or something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I appreciate the question, John, because I think we we probably should have noted that paying a first for Tua, obviously it should be obvious, but only in a super flex league. Um, all right, John, uh, let's 
kick it back to you for your first uh, week six insight. So last week I picked the Browns to beat the Cardinals. Do you know how that that went? <laughs> Poorly. I I uh, spoke to you at halftime. You weren't you weren't here, but I I made sure to let you know how I felt about that prediction, there, buddy. Turns out that was well justified. Uh, the Cardinals are <laughs> the Cardinals are now six and zero. Uh, sorry about that, guys. Uh, and what I want to specifically want to talk about when it comes to the Cardinals is their backfield. It's not what we expected at all. Uh, Kyler Murray, let's start there. He was the dynasty quarterback to this offseason for many going into the season based on his rushing upside. Now, he's currently quarterback four on the season, but he's averaging less than 20 yards per game through six games. In fact, in the last two games, he's only had seven yards rushing. Kind of strange. On top of that, uh, we've got Chase Edmonds, who averaged 10 rushing attempts through four weeks and has had 10 in the last two weeks. Despite that, he's still currently running back 17 on the season. Meanwhile, James Conner, the other guy in that backfield, has seen at least 10 attempts in five out of the six weeks this season. Currently, and this might surprise people, running back 22 on the season. Those touchdowns, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that'll do it. So weeks, now this is what was really interesting to me. Week six was the first time this year that Edmonds had a snap percentage of less than 50%. And Connor greater than 50%. Now, Connor's work's been pretty consistent, but this is the first time we've seen pretty significant dip with Edmonds. Mm-hmm. So this leads me to two things. First, Kyler. He's got a lot of rushing upside, but it hasn't materialized this year. Currently 10th amongst, amongst all NFL QBs in rushing yards. Uh, just to juxtapose that a little bit for you, Tannehill, who I know Mitch loves, is currently sixth, sixth in rushing yards. Didn't see that one coming. You should have. Uh, there's not really... I should have, because he can run, apparently. He, he played re- wide receiver in co- Anyway. Anyway. There's really no reason to believe that an undefeated team is going to change the game script. So the only real insight I have here is to maybe just adjust your expectations or your projections, if you will, for Kyler's fantasy output for at least this season or the next few games, as long as they stay undefeated. Now, his output looks very, very good still, quarterback four numbers, but maybe we're not going to see the rushing game that we thought we were going to see. Now, probably the more important insight here is James Conner, because going into the season, I think we were all really low on James mm-hmm. Conner. But his workload has been much more consistent, and his fantasy output is not that far behind Chase Edmonds. It may not be too long before Conner actually surpasses Edmonds for fantasy purposes. Now, I suspect the market's going to be pretty slow to adjust to this. Uh, right now on Keep Trade Cut, and we can have a conversation about whether or not the, this data is even relevant, but Keep Trade Cut has got Edmonds as running back 29 and Connor is running back 47. So what I'm suggesting to you, I think most people would think they are stealing from you if you offer a second for Connor. But that's kind of the output that I'm expecting for the rest of this season, is Connor to be a really consistent guy, uh, maybe top end, running back 15, low end, running back 24, right there, running back two range. And I would, I think that's a good deal for a second and for a contending team. What do you guys think about that? I, I don't think that James Conner is going to surpass Edmonds based on the fact that he's only had one target a game. And so I think that what's happened with these, these dudes, as in Edmonds, Conner, and Kyler, like they don't really none of them particularly need to be the guy to to be the running back or to be the runner in that system they all kind of serve their own roles and so i i think it's all weird and like unpredictable but like you you pointed out their numbers their numbers are all pretty consistent and all pretty good and kyler of course excellent but i feel like they've just been crushing it through the air and they've had no reason to even need to lean on the run I think, though, when Kyler's pushed up against the wall, he's going to start running when he needs to. But right now, like, there's just so many options on that team, and they're all eating. I hear what you're saying uh, in terms of Connor maybe undervalued in relation to Chase Edmonds right now. Um, And, you know, a a lot of his fantasy points, obviously, on the back of the amount of touchdowns he's scoring, which we should probably expect to regress, but at the same time, it's a really good offense, and it's very clear that James Conner is the inside the five running back. Like once they get there, they're giving it to Conner, so we could expect him to have, um, you know, a higher touchdown average, you know, per rush than most running backs. Um, 
But like you were saying, like last week was the first uh, game in which we saw Chase Edmonds kind of get below 58% of the snaps. He was at 37% of the snaps in week six. And I expect that's partially due to his shoulder injury, as well as the fact that they just kind of controlled that game uh, from start to finish. So, you know, I'm still going to have Chase Edmonds significantly ahead of James Conner in my ranks. One, because I just think he's a better player. But two, uh, because, you know, in a PPR league, uh, if, if you get those, you know, five targets uh, a game like Chase Edmonds is usually going to get. It gives you a nice floor there. Um, If you're playing, you know, in a standard league like we are kind of back in the ice age in our main dynasty league, then, you know, I can see Connor being a a lot more uh, reliable because you're banking on those touchdowns in a standard league. But uh, he probably needs to move up in my ranks. Uh, But yeah, Edmonds is still going to be kind of a high end RB3 for me. Yeah, I'd agree. He does need to move up because his value this year is much higher than any of us expected, like John mentioned. But I do think that's a this year thing, a this year and this year only thing. And that's okay because that's valuable on its own, but yep. Yep. All right. Mic check for it is half time. Okay. So, uh, we weren't able to keep the momentum going from week five. Uh, we went two and two this week. Uh, so, you know, our overall record 16 and eight on the season, which is, uh, Two thirds of the picks are right is pretty good. Not bad. Me and Mitch, uh, five and one on our picks. John and Trey, three and three. John, what do you have to say for yourself and Trey? I I think you should probably cut the dead weight, and you two, you need to carry this to the finish line. John, it's not like you picked <laughs> the Browns to beat the undefeated Cardinals. Oh, and the Browns were. Fa- oh wait, we've been over this. Yeah, I I think we'll let it die. We'll let it like, die. Five minutes after we recorded the episode. Oh, by the way, Nick Chubb's out. (laughs) And oh, by the way, Baker's arm fell off. That did happen. (laughs) Was not a great week to pick the Browns in retrospect. But let's let's turn the page to week seven. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can get back on track and get that percentage back up to 70%. That's really, I don't even care about the parlays anymore. I just want to have a 70% record. That would be great. I mean, hey, before we turn the page, man, you guys really busted my chops, especially you, Tarek. You're a real buster. Uh, but I hit the nail on the donkey or uh, whatever uh, on that on that Titans pick, man. Uh, Absolutely, man. Yeah, they, it had they, nothing they, to do with Josh Allen tripping at the goal line. No, nothing, nothing to, to do, do with, with it because what I said is that they're not going to lose by more than six. Like, even if he would have scored that touchdown, That's even if he would have got that first down, covered that That's spread. True. Tight game, baby. Good call. Hey, go Titans. Well done. Well done, Mitch, and well done, Titties. I love it. All right, but let's turn the page. I'll start my pick for week seven. Mitch talked a lot about how much uh, Miami is in the gutter right now, but you know what? I'm going to take them plus two and a half at home against Atlanta. Look, point taken. uh, This is a bad team, but you know what? These are two bad teams. So at least I am getting the home underdog here that has some pieces on defense that can bother Matt Ryan. Uh, so, you know, give me the points. Give me two and a half. I think I think Miami can at least keep it very close with Atlanta. Hate it. <laughs> I thought I you it. might. I thought you might. <laughs> I, really- I mean, look, this 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 uh, turbulence with Tua being potentially on the trade block did not make me feel good. But uh, the bet is placed. So moving on, John, what you got? Uh, I have picked the game the eagles versus the raiders where the raiders are favored by three now hey the raiders just lost their coach right you think they're gonna bomb but no they have this huge emotional victory over a conference foe we're feeling great about the raiders right now and try again this has got (laughs) the makings of let down city it's a non-conference game against the eagles these are the same raiders that have already lost at home to the chicago bears I think that the Eagles defensive line is they're just going to eat up a uh, car this week. So give me the Eagles plus three, please. And thank you. They're going to eat the car. <laughs> eat the car. Miles Sanders is going to have a big game, Mitch. Book it. All right, Tarek. <laughs> All right. He's begging. <laughs> but Mitch, what do you got? And then I'll and then I'll uh, narrate. Tracy. Yeah, for sure. I got the Colts plus four against the San Francisco 49ers. And that's the Sunday night game. 
I got the Colts at plus four on this one. I think it's going to be a close game. I think the Colts are actually a little bit better than they've been playing, and Frank Reich, I think, keeps them keeps him in this one till the end. Uh, I'm a little weirded out by the plus four just because both coaches like to do weird shit and go for two at random times and whatnot, but I feel good with four. I actually think the Colts are going to win the game Like if I was going to pick it straight up, so I'll take the free points. Yeah, Frank Reich is a is a good coach, but uh, it would be cool if he gave it to Jonathan Taylor a little bit more. I I would I would appreciate that. I'm okay with his usage, man. I I love the points I'm getting from my JT shares. Keep them healthy and keep the points coming, please. Okay, yeah, keep them healthy. I guess that's, that's the that, most yeah. important thing. Uh, so Trey's pick. He's taken the Titans. Our titties and by R I mean Mitch's. Titties, I love it. But, you know they're ours pick, now. Good pick. He's taking the Titans plus five and a half. Uh, versus Kansas City. Kansas City, according to him, has been inconsistent. Tennessee offense can keep up with the Chiefs and keep this under five and a half. So, hey, building on that momentum, that would be incredible if the Titans can keep it going. Hey, it'll be a it'll be proof of whether they can contend in the AFC in the playoffs later on this year. Uh, hold on, now, did we just pick four dogs? Yes, four dogs. It, it is the week of the dogs. The dog right. fins, the dog birds, the dog <laughs> demigods, and the dog horses. <laughs> the dog demigods. <laughs> Miami, Philadelphia, Tennessee, and Indianapolis. Lock it in. The bet is placed. All right, let's kick off the second half with our Dynasty Insights coming out of week six. And I am going to kick us off once again. And, you know, we've talked about this guy a couple of times. He's come up in relation to some discussions about A.J. Brown's value. But it's time to hone in specifically on the man, the myth, the legend, Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup, I believe, is a top 12 dynasty receiver. I don't think we can deny it anymore. He is on pace for 1,850 yards and 20 touchdowns. (sighs) on a 34% target share in that high octane That's pretty Matthew good. Stafford led offense. Look, this is essentially what Devonte Adams did last year. And last year he was roundly considered the wide receiver 1 in dynasty. So I think it's reasonable to move Cooper Cup ahead of Chris Godwin, who we outside of Mitch overestimated from a consistent target share standpoint. I think Cooper Cup moved above Chris Godwin to my wide receiver 11 in Dynasty. Now, Cup is 28, which is where players like Devontae Adams and Allen Robinson are. So while it's not a super ideal age in terms of Dynasty value, you know, he's not 22 like CeeDee Lamb or 23 like DK Metcalf, it's plenty young enough to consider him at the very least a low-end wide receiver one in your Dynasty league. Guys, are we denying Cooper Cup any longer? You know, you you came on and you chastised us earlier, so I immediately went to update my ranks, and I moved him all the way up to 14 just to spite you. But no, you are right. Like, this guy has been putting on a show this year, and it's undeniable at this point. I still think I like younger guys like DJ Moore and Chris Godwin more right now, uh, just long-term, but give me a... You shouldn't. Look... It's it's hard because it, it's it still kind of feels like flash of the pan stuff, right? Six games is a large sample size, but considering his career, it's not real large. We're still okay. talking. Okay. Well, let me let me tell you something real large that he did in 2019. He uh, real large. Mitch. He was <laughs> he he finished top or wide receiver five overall in PPR yeah. in 2019. Yeah. Right now he's wide receiver one, and he's playing with. Uh, Matt Stafford reborn, dude. And 28, like, he, okay, give me this year and next year and maybe half of another year at this kind of, at this kind of play. Like, dude, yeah, I'm, I'm in on this. He should be in the top 10. And I think he can produce, he's, he's going to take people to championships this year. He might do it again next year too, because that connection is real and he's that good. 
Yeah, he's on a nice deal there. He should be around for a while. But all right, Mitch. Hey, I'm looking at your rankings right now, and he's at wide receiver 19, so you need to do an update. <laughs> yeah, look at the date on the top of those, man. <laughs> okay, yeah, you haven't updated your wide receiver rankings since September 14th. So, hey, get on that, bro. I, that, you know, I'll take that instead. No, he's much higher than that. All right, all right, sounds good. All right, Mitch, I'm going to kick it back to you for your second insight. All right, well, speaking of updating your rankings, I'm going to yell at you guys about your <laughs> at your rankings because it's time to put Daryl Henderson ahead of Cam Akers in all of your rankings. And I want to talk about him because I know sometimes we say, hey, go get this dude in your league, and the dude we're talking about is just like not available. The guy's like, no, I'm not trading him. I feel like Hendo is attainable, so... I briefly touched on this in the past, but I think I need to go ahead and just plant the flag. Henderson is one of those guys that can help you win the ship this year. It's time to just stop being scared and take that risk. He's sitting at running back number 13 overall right now. And if you consider him a rental because of Cam Akers, I think you should probably rethink the way that you're going about that there. Um, you two specifically have, and you two, Tarek and John, have dudes like Miles Sanders, uh, Chris Carson, Clyde's Edward, Clyde's, Clyde Edward Elaire, um, ahead of Hendo right now. And I just, I don't see a good reason for that. Uh, last game, he had 21 carries, three targets, one rushing touchdown, one receiving touchdown. And he's a big focal point of the offense, and that offense scores a lot of points. In the five games that he's played in, he scored five touchdowns. And if you're looking forward to the future years of a running back, it's usually a murky picture. I'm putting my money on the dude that's getting it done right now, and that's Henderson. Like, next year, if it's a committee, okay, who cares? Uh, we saw what happens when you bet on a young, talented running back in a crowded backfield like James Robinson. Uh, we don't know what this team would have looked like with uh, Akers and Henderson going at 100%. Probably would have been Akers 60-40, but who knows, right? Uh, maybe it could have been a bizarro, super efficient Chubb hunt thing because Sean McVay's a wizard, right? Um, our main concern is Henderson getting hurt. It scares me too, but the points that he's scoring right now is, uh, feels pretty good. And I, I'm in on this guy. What do you guys think? Well, I'm going to humor you for a moment here. Let's assume that we always do I, every episode. Uh, it, let's assume he keeps doing what he's doing. Let's assume no entry here. And I'm just looking at my ranks right now. I'm, I'm looking at them. And the guys I'm willing to move them ahead. I've got them at 24. Kareem Hunt? Yeah. Chris Carson? Yeah. Travis Etienne? Yeah. CEH? Definitely. Josh Jacobs? Yeah. And then the breaking point for me is Miles Sanders. It's like, I think I would at this point prefer Daryl Henderson to Miles Sanders. I'm kind of at that point where I'm about to drop Miles Sanders real far. I've got him at 18. He doesn't feel like running back 18. So if you're right, I'm willing to move him up to running back 14 with, or sorry, 18. Would that make you feel better, Mitch? It would make me feel better. Where do you have Acres? That's my. Uh, I, I've got him at 27, so I actually have him okay. behind Henderson. Oh, you're so not I, like the other guys. I want a pat on the back yeah. for that, Mitch. Yeah. Uh, look, Mitch. Uh, you know, I agree with you here. I think uh, Daryl Henderson has been really impressive this year. I mean, like you said at the end there. He's one of those guys, even though I try to stray away from being scared off of the injury prone label, he's one of those guys that it really scares me more than other guys because it just seems like he always gets dinged up. And it's not only that, it's that Sean McVay has demonstrated that it frustrates him how much Darrell Henderson gets dinged up. And I think that's what scares me more than the injuries themselves. But look, after everything you said, after reviewing my rankings, I agree with you. I've moved him up uh, like four or five spots to RB21. Definitely moved him ahead of Chris Carson, who I just tanked in my rankings. <laughs> uh, moved him ahead of Kareem Hunt. Moved him ahead of Cam Akers. Look, I'm I'm not ready uh, to move Miles Sanders down. I, I still think Miles Sanders is a good running back. I still think he's getting the snap percentage that you want. I think it's a matter of time before he, he strings together some big games. So look, upward trajectory. If Miles Sanders has a bad game against the Raiders woeful defense uh, this week, then yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll grant you. Darrell Henderson needed to move up. He moved up in my rankings. Thank you for bringing this up, man. And yeah, for everybody at home, move his ass up your list too. Yeah, and go go fire off some trades for him because you know there there may be uh, people like uh, John, myself, and Trey who who have been a little bit gun shy for mm -hmm. Daryl Henderson, and we're coming around right now. So that means there's plenty of people in your leagues that have yet to come around. Yep.
All right, John, uh, close this out with the final insight uh, for this second half. Well, the second half definitely has a theme. We said buy Cooper Cup. We said buy Daryl Henderson. So I'm here to tell you to buy Tyler. No, I'm not. What? Am... No, that's not what I want to talk about. <laughs> no, I, I, I want to actually end this episode with some blasphemy. Are you ready? You're not going to stay on the Rams and talk about Van Jefferson, dude? No, I... Buy <laughs> Van Jefferson. I don't care what I had planned to talk about. Let's talk about Van Jefferson. No, no, no I'm not going to say that. Unless you're rebuilding. What about Robert Woods, man? You sell Robert Woods. That's where we're at. Uh, All right, let's let John get to his insight. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to end the episode with some blasphemy here because uh, I have a new running back one in Dynasty. I am done. I have finally, it. my, my, my last draw, I have moved CMC out of running back one range. And I'm here Blasphema! To, I know, Not Christian right? McCaffrey, no, no! Yes. Not white Jesus. White Jesus, yes. He's died again. Uh, and I'm, I'm here to tell you I'm actually not alone. I've, I've con conversed with experts and Jojen Schmo Schmoes. I've checked DLF ADP. He's not one anymore. He's 1.75, which means some people also have moved him down. Now, uh, keep trade cut, a little more aggressive. They moved him back, back to running back four. That's actually where I have him now as well. Here's why. Wow. Relative lack of av availability last two seasons. I think it's reasonable at this point to at least ask the question. Who do you prefer in Dynasty? This stands in stark contrast to not very long ago when those who rostered CMC could more or less just name their price. So just for reference right now, Keep Trade Cuts got number one, Jonathan Taylor. Number two, Najee Harris. Jesus three, Christ. I know, Najee. Number three, King Henry. And four, CMC. So two big moves for me. I've got JT as number one. Swift is number two. Those guys just moved up one spot. Now, I moved Henry all the way up to three as well because, good Welcome. God, Welcome good. aboard. You know, to see it. Welcome Mitch aboard the spaceship. I would, I would take Henry over CMC today. That's as the you should. Had, that's the question I had to answer, and that's why CMC is at four for me. So I think it's really just a question of risk tolerance and where your team's at. If your team is good enough to make the playoffs without CMC, Maybe you try to flip for Najee. You got Najee. You try to flip for CMC. You, you're like, okay, I can wait for CMC to get healthy. Get him on your squad. Now, if you can't win without CMC, I'm a fan of CMC for Swift straight up right now. That's a move wow. that would have been more or less unfathomable. I can't even say that word. Couldn't even think of that not long ago. But it makes a lot of sense to me long term right now. At least try to get a draft pick, though. I mean, and, come on. Well, yeah, get plus. Come but on. <laughs> that's that's the you know that's the player for player kind of thing. You know, obviously negotiate. But yeah, you know, if I can get Swift for CMC, that sounds great to me right now. Guys, am I crazy for considering CMC as anything but running back one in Dynasty right now? I'm happy that you moved Derrick Henry up there, but. Yeah, I'm with you on McCaffrey going down to about four. I think I'd rather have Jonathan Taylor or Dalvin Cook. Um, yeah, I definitely would. So I mean, I can see why. I can see the concerns. Uh, and look, like one thing that we kind of ignored for a couple of years there was Christian McCaffrey is kind of a little dude. You know, like he is small um, and he went for a couple of years without getting serious injuries and he was putting up you know, Ladanian Tomlinson level points in our lineup. So, you know, we, we rightly, you know, kind of ignored the fact that he is a small guy. Uh, and I think those injuries are starting to catch up with him. So I understand, um, why you would move CMC off of that RB one pedestal. He's still there for me. Um, I'm not ready to make that move yet, but I will say kind of, I know Mitch is really happy about you moving Henry up there. Um, I'm definitely ready to say that in my contender rankings, which don't exist right now, King Henry is certainly top two at the very least. Uh, it's just, you know, with the rankings we have now, we kind of have to hedge both current and uh, future years. And, you know, Derrick Henry is a freak. You know, I'm not denying that. And I've undervalued him for far too long. Concede to Mitch to that. But, man after going two years with like 900 touches on his freakish body, I, I can't help but still right. keep him down my overall range. You're eventually going to be right, and that's how that's going to work. You're just going to keep him where he shouldn't be until you're right. And that's what most yeah. people are doing, though. And th yeah. that's just how this, that's just how it's going to work. The people that are winning championship right now, though, like they, got Derek they have Henry, Derrick yeah. Henry ranked high. They have him on yeah. their team kicking ass. So Man, that is fair enough, Mitch. Fair enough. 
I mean, look, but, uh, you know, getting back to CMC, uh, I think what Mitch said kind of at the end of your point there, John, obviously rings true. You know, if you've got CMC and you want to move off of him, you know, always try to get more on top of Swift, always try to get more on top of Henry, because, you know, while he's kind of tumbling down, keep trade cut right now, you know, I think most people are still going to have Christian McCaffrey, uh, you know, on top of their boards. So I, it's, it's tough, but um, I, you know, I think if you can get, you know, Swift and, you know, a high second round pick, obviously Swift in a first would be a smash for me. Um, but I don't hate the idea of if you're a Christian McCaffrey manager, seeing what you could pivot off to like a little bit lower down in the running back ranks and what you can get on top of that. That's just good dynasty process overall. All right, so let's move into an overtime segment. And what we're going to do, I'm going to kick it over to Mitch here. Uh, I think we're playing some buy-sell, right? Yeah, something like that. Some some silly game here. Uh, basically, just uh, since Trey isn't here, you know, our dad isn't here, I thought we'd get away with playing a little game at the end. Uh, rules are easy. John's going to pick a player to target for a rebuild, and I'm just going to plug it into the trade finder on DLF. And Tarek, you'll act as the contender so I'm going to read which uh, which players or picks are involved and see if you guys actually can get on board with the trade that uh, already happened on DLF. So, uh, John, why don't you go first, man? Uh, who's your target if you are rebuilding? So I'm rebuilding and I'm trying to work out a trade with my counterpart here. Is that what Yeah, and it's just going to show me uh, a trade that happened. Okay, and you're, we'll you're going to pick you, one. We'll see I if get, you okay. guys like it. Yeah, so All the right, league will it. be a 12-team league, half-point PPR, super flex. Yeah, I, I would cool. I would love to right now say as a rebuilding team target Jamar Chase, but you know what? That window is way too closed. Uh, it closed after preseason. That was your chance if you were a rebuilder was to get Jamar Chase. So now I'm thinking of guys who haven't quite hit yet, but I fully expect to. And the first one top of my list is Javante Williams, Pookie. He's uh, a guy that I fully expect to take on the full ro- role or at least 75% of the role at some point, end of this season, if not definitely next season. So if I'm rebuilding, Javante Williams is a priority guy for me to target right now. Okay, cool. Um, the first one I pulled up, actually, well, there's two good ones. So, well, this one's this one's interesting too. So I'll just read them both. Uh, it looks like the rebuilder had Calvin Ridley and they traded him for Javante Williams straight up. Oof. What do you guys think? Tarek, you, I guess, you had Javante. You're the contender. Um, John tried to sell you Ridley for Javante. You taking that? Uh, I can see taking it. Um, obviously, it kind of depends on team construction. I think that's a very good, even trade. I do think Ridley is hyper kind of undervalued right now, at least in the redraft landscape. So if I'm a contender, uh, I, in a dynasty league, no, I'm I'm keeping Javante Williams. I agree with John here. I want Javante more than Calvin Ridley in every situation. That's interesting. Okay, but John, I'm sure. Or what, what's your what's your side on that one? Uh, well, I've got Ridley. I think I just moved him down a little bit, but I think I've still got him ranked pretty high. I think I've got Ridley as wide receiver eight, and I kind of tend, I kind of bend towards biasing towards wide receivers. You do just because I think they're going to be better long term. Uh, I, I would be torn, but I would, would have thought that um, a contender would definitely take Ridley over Javante, but I, I'm glad to see that you expect him to do what I expect him to do, which is take over by the end of the season. I assume that's exactly. your reasoning. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, thank you for sharpening that, John, because my reasoning is precisely that I think Javante Williams is on the cusp here. Like I, I think he's really about... Uh, he's been, like I said last week, he's been murdering the NFL on his touches, and I think it's just a matter of time. And you know, I, Melvin Gordon's a good player, but at but some he's point, he's not going to be there much longer, man. Yeah, at, at some point, it's Javante Williams' season, so he's going to be helping you in your lineups by the end of the season. And like you said, John, next season, Javante Williams. So yeah, at contender rebuilder, give me Javante Williams over Calvin Ridley. Interesting. Matter. And I just want to throw this trade in there because it seems like a pretty interesting one. Uh, one side of the deal got Javante Williams and a 2022 first round pick. The other side of the deal got Nick Chubb and Cooper Cup. Ooh. Ooh. 
Wow. Ooh, if I'm a contender, give me Chubb and Cub, even with the current <laughs> Chubb injury. Yeah. Hey, but that's future Javante Williams and a one. So, you know, no, that's if an interesting contender, deal. You got to take that. Yeah. If you're a contender, you got to take that. Yeah. But if you're rebuilding, though, I'm saying, it, what about the rebuilding side on this yeah, one? Yeah. The rebuilding side, I would definitely accept Javante in a first for that. Because you guys Chubb, are supposed to agree here. So I think that, uh, is this the, yeah, is this no, the deal that's, we agree that's with? That's a trade, right? Yeah. So if I'm the contender and John is the rebuilder, I think that works out really well. Both sides, you're both hitting the accept button. Uh, well, let me just reason it. So Chubb, uh, he's under contract for what, another year? So if I'm rebuilding, I don't expect to be No, he got extended. He got extended. Oh, uh, well, I still think I prefer Javante just because he's not going to have the competition that Chubb's going to have long term uh, with Kareem Hunt. I, it's it's an easy accept for me as a rebuilder. Give me Javante in the first. Perfect. You can take, you can take the two older guys. They're yours. Cool. All right, T. Your turn. Pick a player. All right. Any player. So I'm a contender mm-hmm. and I'm targeting a player. You're a computer. All right. Hey, I like Debo Samuel. Mm. Look, I, I'm I'm picking Debo Samuel here because he's a guy that's been raising in my personal overall dynasty ranks. And I think for a contender, uh, you can't deny his target share. You can't deny how he's looked on the field. You can't deny um, how great he is after the catch. I think he's going to win some people some championships this year. I think we've kind of forgotten because he was on by last week, mm-hmm. but Debo Samuel's been dominant. So what am I looking at, Mitch? Well, weirdly, the first three trades are the same exact trade, and I oh, don't often sign. see that. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, one side of the trade is Chase Edmonds and Debo Samuel, and the other side is Tua. And I know that ties right into what we were talking about earlier. So I think Debo translates to, what, almost a one, and Chase Edmonds is kind of like a low two. So, yeah, man. Ooh. Yeah, so, John, I am the contender. I want Debo Samuel and Chase Edmonds from you. I offer you to a tongue of Iloa and a super flex league. What are you saying? Yeah, well, uh, so Chase Edmonds has basically no value to me. So yes, I'm very happy to give you him. <laughs> um, it's going to be very hard to get a quarterback two with the consistency of Tua, as we've already discussed. Thank you, Mitch. Uh, it's very hard for me to give up Debo, but I've seen how fickle uh, Shanahan can be with his wide receivers. So while he's doing great now, I don't know how long that lasts. So I want to capitalize on this while he's at maximum value, which I think is the case. I love Debo, but I think uh, in a super flex league, Tua has the better long-term value. So yeah, I'm taking it for sure. Yeah, I like it. So hey. I'm the contender. I want Debo and Edmonds. John's the rebuilder. He wants Tua. I think it I think it works. Great. You know what? Maybe that's why we saw the trade three times in a row on that on the screen there, because <laughs> that's a pretty good deal. And uh, I want to just throw in the other one that was kind of kind of interesting here because it's a two for one. The old uh, the old two for Debo Samuel and Jalen Waddle for Stefan Diggs. Oh, wow. That one doesn't make as much sense because that would mean that uh, I'm getting Diggs as a rebuilder. I don't think I want Diggs as a rebuilder necessarily. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. If I'm a contender, I'm not selling Diggs for Waddle and Debo. That looks to me more like a uh, two contenders, one without depth and one that wants the stud, you know? Yeah. If you are a contender and you have Diggs, just Don't ride <laughs> the ascendance. Yeah. Probably keep yeah, Diggs. Yeah. Yes. Leave him in. That person the person who did that, it was worried about Diggs' slow start to the season. Uh, and they are going to miss out on an explosive, you know, final two thirds here. Yeah. Speaking of explosive final two thirds, that was a fun overtime. I like that. It was. It was. It was definitely not two thirds, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the the final one sixth. Yeah. <laughs> All right, homies, uh, that's going to do it for episode number 28 of the Long Game Dynasty podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Trey, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. See you next week. Bye.